Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. So glad that you could join us on this Good Friday. Around the world, millions of Christians are remembering this day with us. A day that we remember Christ's sacrifice, his trial, his crucifixion, and ultimately his death. We bear witness to this great collision on this day of God and mankind. If you read through the gospel stories, each recording the details of that Passion Week, we see this collision of God and mankind, its moment here on Good Friday. In the stories I observe three collisions that maybe you'll join with me in discovering or rediscovering tonight. As that evening began, as Jesus went to the garden, as the gospel writers say, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, just outside of the city of Jerusalem, where he often retreated to pray. It was there on this night that he did so again with his disciples. It says that he went off to a place to be alone. And here he prayed to God, his Father. It's in this moment that we see the first of our three collisions, the collision of God and mankind's own will. We see this in Jesus' prayer as he cries out, Father, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Here in the garden is the collision of God's will and man's will. Jesus submits his will, his desire to escape what he knows is coming. And he submits it to the will of the Father. And he takes upon himself the cup of wrath that deservingly belongs to you and me. Here on this Friday, God's will collides with man's will. Jesus submits to his heavenly Father and to his will. You might ask yourself, what is God's will? Scripture puts it plainly in 1 Peter. It says, God's will is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And repentance only happens when you collide with God's will and determine and declare that his will is greater than yours, is better than yours. And yet this is the conflict, this is the collision that has been going on since the dawn of man, the first story found in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. Eve is offered fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and she chooses knowledge over relationship with God. She chooses power and is seduced by the promise of this knowledge and power then submit to relationship with God the Father. And we've rebelled against him ever since, hated him for it because he has what we can never get. And bearing the cup of God's wrath which was meant for us, Jesus submitted his will to the Father. Even as Jesus was arrested, you see this 
moment of mankind's will in his disciple Peter. Jesus having surrendered himself to the Roman authorities after having been betrayed by one of his own Judas. Peter pulls his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the Roman guards because that's not how the Messiah should go. He shouldn't be arrested. He shouldn't die. That's not my will, Peter says. And yet look at Jesus' response that evening. It was perfectly in harmony with the will of the Father. He provides healing for the man, healing his ear that was cut off. He provides grace in this moment. Jesus, in this moment of the garden, he chooses relationship with his Father, God, over anything else. And we must come to this point of collision in our own lives, either his will or mine. You cannot have it both ways. There will come a day, either on this earth or in eternity to come, as C.S. Lewis puts it, where you will say to God, your will be done. Or God will say to you, your will be done. I like how the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Colossians. He says, my life is now hidden with Christ. The life I now live is not my own. That life hidden in Christ means my will has been absorbed into the will of the Father. My will has been and my desires have been absorbed into what God wants. And I've submitted myself underneath. And when there is a collision, mine comes second. My life is hidden with Christ and the life I now live. I live through faith in Jesus. That leads us to the second collision tonight is God and sin. God and our sin, they collide here on this Good Friday at the cross of Jesus. After Jesus submits his will and takes the cup of wrath that was meant for you and for me, he willingly takes the nails that were hammered into his hand into the cross that cross that should have been ours he cries out that night as he hangs there suffering he cries out my God my God why have you forsaken me it's in this moment that Christ feels the separation that you and I have felt our entire lives the curse of sin is separation from God broken relationship with God and here in this moment Jesus bears all the sin of the world upon himself God the Father turns away and there is separation here on this Friday the curse collides with the cross of Christ and I'm thankful that the cross breaks the curse of sin and his suffering breaks the curse of of sickness and his crown the crown he bore that night breaks the curse of self-centered living for all who would choose him as their king and his words spoke into existence forgiveness salvation grace and mercy i like how oswald chamber says it in his book my utmost for his highest he writes it this way 
God came in the flesh to take sin away, not to accomplish something for himself. The cross is the central event in time and eternity and the answer to all the problems of both. The cross is not the cross of a man, but the cross of God, and it can never be fully comprehended through human experience. The cross is God exhibiting his true nature, love. It is the gate through which any and every individual can enter into oneness with God. The heart of salvation is the cross of Christ. The reason salvation is so easy to obtain is that it costs God so much. The cross was the place where God and sinful man merged with a tremendous collision and where the way to life was opened, but all the cost and pain of the collision was absorbed by the heart of God. It was in this moment after Jesus had cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That the Bible records that there was a massive earthquake, rocks split, even the holy saints who had passed away already rose again and walked around in bodily form. Such was the moment of power. God opened the gate because of what Jesus did. The centurions, the soldiers who had stood guard, had mocked Jesus just moments before. In this moment, cry out, Surely and truly, this is the Son of God. Here is a human and divine collision where my sin meets God's holiness. His justice meets my guilt. His power meets my frailty. And his anger at sin meets with my participation with sin. And it's in this moment that we must come to the point of collision in our life. His life or mine. His life or mine. And this leads us to our third collision of the night. God and death. We couldn't do what Jesus did in that moment of his death. His life was the only one who could pay the debt that we owed. The Bible records in John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus received the drink, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. All the work that could be done was done in that moment where God and death collided. Death is a chain no one can escape. Well, none but Jesus. See, death wouldn't even hold him down. The collision between God and man meant our death. That's what the Bible says to you and to me. A holy and just God could not and would not allow sin to go unpunished or unnoticed. And Romans chapter 6, 23 tells us of this collision when it says the wages of our sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ do you see the collision in that verse of scripture the wages of our sin is our death but the gift that God provides is life through Jesus and in that moment we have a choice in this collision Jesus beats death It's why the Bible calls him the one mediator between God and man. He's the middleman. He steps into that moment where God's holiness collides with our sin, which means our certain death, but Jesus inserts himself. He saves us. 
He takes our death upon himself to bring us life. Isn't that backwards? It's what C.S. Lewis writes in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Perhaps you've read the book or seen the movie. In that movie, there is a Christ figure. His name is Aslan. He's a lion, a mighty lion. He's tragically betrayed and slaughtered on a stone table. He takes upon himself a death he did not deserve. And the two sisters, Lucy and Susan, running back to the table, having seen it split open, discover Aslan has risen from the dead. Susan says to Aslan in this moment, but what does it all mean? It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in the traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. We must come to this point of collision in our own lives. His death and my death. Here on this Good Friday, God's grace collides with man's effort. God's forgiveness collides with man's sin. It collides with our rebellion. His judgment with our offenses. His wrath on our disobedience. But his love with man's search for fulfillment. There's a collision that we celebrate in Christianity. Actually, two. It's called the two ordinances of the Christian church. One is water baptism. It's this collision that we speak about where it signifies our, our identification with Christ's death when we go under the water and raising to new life through Jesus when we come back out, having been cleansed from our sin, having the chains of death broken from us. And the other is communion, which we will celebrate together tonight. It's in this moment of receiving communion or the Eucharist, we recognize and identify with the death of Jesus, the power of his broken body and his shed blood for you and for me. It's in this moment, this accepting of the new covenant, this new life, that we not only accept Jesus' death because that's just the first part. It's accepting our death as well. That we would live a new life for him by the will of the Father. In just a moment, we'll receive communion. You'll find your communion elements just in front of you in the rack of the chair in front of you. The writer, Robert Crosby, talks about this identification with Jesus and he writes it this way. The Apostle Paul found strength and power to persevere by identifying consistently with Jesus and the events of his life. Paul consistently tracked the events of his own life and the life of the believer in light of the pivotal events in Christ's. Just listen to what 
the Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. He goes on to write in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And then again in Colossians, having been buried with him in baptism. And finally in Romans 6, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Communion is that moment we accept Christ's death and the power. We also accept our own death. And the power of that means Christ lives in us. He lives through us. We are now overcomers. Death has no hold on us. In this moment, as Jason and Karis sing this song called Scandal of Grace, perhaps you would reflect on the own collisions in your life of your will and God's will, of your sin and God's holiness and your death and Christ's death. In a moment, I'll lead us in communion. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused and absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall scandal of grace you died in my place
chapel, meaning you don't have to be a member of our church, but a member of the body of Christ. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you haven't, this is a great moment to receive that very love and forgiveness life that we've talked about tonight. Jesus doesn't put obstacles in our path to come to Him. Scripture says we simply come with our messiness he does the rest it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this is my body which is broken for you whenever you do this do it in remembrance of me and so we remember tonight the broken body of Jesus as that brokenness that provides our healing and our wholeness It allows us to enter the door of relationship back to God the Father. So Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We recognize our own brokenness and the healing both spiritually and physically that comes because of your power, because of your suffering. And we identify and fellowship with that suffering tonight. Let's partake of the bread together. Scripture says that after that same meal, Jesus took the cup, the final cup of the Passover ceremony. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood for the forgiveness of many for you and for me and that's the power of the blood of Jesus the perfect sacrifice once and for all all the work that could be done was done in this moment and tonight we identify with that sacrifice his death and our life colliding in this moment and so Father God we thank you for the blood of Jesus shed on that cross many years ago it's not just a great story it's life and freedom the very essence of love that we all crave in this crazy world we find only in you And so we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. Let's drink of the cup together. On Good Friday, you have the first two acts of a great drama. 
in his trial and his crucifixion, his death. But Act 3 is coming. Sunday's coming. The promise of new life is coming. That does bring our service to a close and we're so happy that you could join us for this this memorial and reflective service. You don't have to leave right away. Karis has graciously offered to stay and play just to create a moment of prayer if you'd like. When you do decide to go, we'd like for you to grab one of our invitation cards that are out on the tables in the foyer and take an opportunity over the next couple of days to invite somebody to Sunday service. There are those in this world that don't know what we know, that Sunday is coming, that God has offered us anew through his sacrifice. And while we may, we may mourn and we may reflect this day, we have a day to celebrate. So invite somebody to come and join that celebration this Sunday. Have a great evening, and we look forward to seeing you back here for our 9.30 or 11 o'clock services Sunday morning.